Well, we are in our third Sunday of Lent, and a great thing to do during Lent is to add a spiritual practice. So go ahead and register for Bless Our Neighborhood uh, this Saturday. We need more people to get involved in that. So go ahead and do that. And guys, register for the men's deal. Hey, it's an, we're an active church. We've got a lot going on, don't we? I mean, we could just spend the whole hour talking about all the great things that are happening, CIL Forward. All that stuff's here just to make you love the Lord more and love each other more. So thanks for giving those things attention. And um, if you love Pastor Jacob, you'll, you'll register for Bless Our Neighborhood or the men's event. He'll have a better Sunday afternoon nap if you do that. So if you need the lowest level of motivation, do that. Do it for Jacob. Hey, my teaching today, I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing this with you. Uh, it's called Jesus's Perspective on Current Events. Jesus's Perspective on Current Events. And we probably have two categories of people who are, are listening to this sermon. Uh, some of you aren't really concerned with national and global events, and you don't really connect them to your faith. You're kind of like, well... Let other people worry about things that are, are happening around the globe or things that are happening in our nation. I'm just going to live a nice, unconcerned life. And your faith is disconnected from current events. Another category in here are people who watch the news way too much. Those are kind of two ends of the spectrum. And so we know that when we become preoccupied with the things of this world, and that can be just watching news on and on and on and on, and we have challenges previous generations did not have, which is real-time access to information that can bring us down and that can invade our life and, and cause us not to enjoy life. On the other hand, God hasn't called us to be disconcerned or, or unconcerned with what's happening around the world and in our very city also. These things do matter. And when we pass on um, the story of our history, how we responded to the events of the world, we're, we're, we're creating that story right now. We're actively involved. And so how do you respond to current events? Well, really, it's interesting scripture we're going to look at because Jesus actually was given some current events and he gave a really kind of odd response, but it's going to be an informative response to us. So we're going to start today in Luke chapter 13, starting with verse one, Luke chapter 13, starting with verse one. At that time, some people came and reported to him. All right. So this is end time news right here. This is on time news, I guess about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. So evidently what happened here, this, that Pilate had, had attacked worshipers, a cruel Pilate we know from other scriptures that, that there was a darkness about him. And he had attacked people who had come, Galileans who had come to Jerusalem for worship. And so Jesus responded in verse 2. Do you think that these Galileans were more sinful than all the other Galileans because they suffered these things? You know, I, I think about that first story, and if I can give some commentary here, and I, I thought about in 2017 when in Texas uh, there was a, a shooting at a church 
you know, up until that time, we, we didn't do a lot of security measures here, but we do security measures here. And I thank God for the men and women who are faithful at that. That's not just, that's not just um, completing a task. That's in response to a, a hard reality. But I, I thought about what happened in 2017 because th- this was kind of what Jesus was presented with, a tough story. These Galileans were here to worship. I mean, worship should be the place where you're safe, right? And, and we, we see that, and there's many, many examples globally, but many examples in our country where people are attacked as they're worshiping. worshiping. And that just seems especially wrong. It's always wrong, but that feels especially wrong. And so Jesus responded, do you think these Galileans were more sinful, we're back in verse two, than all the other Galileans because they suffered these things? Verse three, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will perish as well. Verse four, now we go to a second current event. Are those 18 that the tower in Siloam fell on and killed, do you think they were more sinful than all the other people who lived in Jerusalem? Well, let me give you a clue. Yes, they did think that. That's why he asked the question. But Jesus brought up that point in his wisdom to say this in verse five. No, I tell you that unless you repent, you will all perish as well. I think about that tower falling falling and killing 18 people. And it made me think about what happened in Miami last year in 2021, the seaside condominium. And it just fell and 99 people died. And many innocent died. No one was looking for that that night. Man, that's, that's a hard, it's hard to bring up on a Sunday morning. I mean, the text is taking me there this morning, but I'm kind of like, wow, man, I don't, I don't know, Lord, if I would have preached this. I want to just give a happy sermon today. But th- this was a reality when Jesus was alive, and it's a reality with us now, is that difficult things come, and things happen in this life that are tragic and they're tough. What Jesus did is he pivoted to spiritual reality. He said, yeah, there is always a need for repentance. Very difficult things happen in life, and that's why we need to be people of repentance. And we need to be people who are keeping things right with the Lord or are standing under the waterfall of his grace, not stepping out of his grace, but Thankful for his grace. And so I'm going to just share with you a couple of things today from this scripture. And here's the first one. Is that I think we can see through this scripture and others that God's people are not excluded from tragedy. Now you might say, well, no kidding. But I think it's important to understand this because Jesus was addressing a, a very specific theological standpoint called retribution theology. And it's this, it's, and, and I believe many of you believe this, and that's why this is an important sermon, and it's going to bless your life. You think that if something bad happens to someone, they must have done something bad. That is a way many of us think. It's retribution theology, and Jesus specifically answers it and says it's not true. It's not true. In fact, I, just just to remind you again of what we've already read. Look at verse two again, if we can go back to Luke chapter 13, verse two. And he responded to them. Do you think these Galileans were more sinful? Let me ask you this. Do you think those people in Texas in 2017 were more sinful than this church? He says in verse three, no, but I tell you that you have to repent. 
And then he answered this. If you think that just that if something bad happens to someone, they always have done something bad. He says in verse three, uh, excuse me, verse four, are those 18 that the tower in Shalom fell on and killed? Do you think they were more sinful than the other people in Jerusalem? Well, they did think that. And he says in verse five, no, I tell you, verse five, no, I tell you, but if you repent, unless you repent, you will perish as well. So Jesus is always taking us back to a spiritual reality. So I'm not a special speaker today. I'm, I'm your pastor. I'm not just coming in for a week and disappearing for a year. Uh, when you come in for a week and disappear for a year, you're like, God's got you. It's going to get better. Everything's going to be great. And, and I have a lot of those sermons and you've heard me preach that a lot. And, and, and we need that, don't we? We need faith and we need hope and we need optimism. But I, I'm now talking to you as your pastor and I'm talking to you as a spiritual father. And I'm telling you this, that repeating the scripture today is that I want to warn you that tough things are going to happen in our life. Tough things have happened to us. Tough things will happen to us. And I can confidently tell you that because you're going to be okay. And God's going to be with you through it. God's going to get you through any challenge you're facing today or any challenge you're going to face tomorrow. And that's why we need faith. We don't just need faith for an emotional elevation just to make us feel better, even though it does make us feel better. We need faith for when our world collapses and we need substantial answers. And that's when Jesus jumps in. So as a spiritual father, I'm giving you dad advice today. This whole thing about dad jokes has gotten a little out of hand, hasn't it, huh? Uh, I saw a guy wearing a t-shirt this week, I mean, he was, he was literally pushing a stroller and his t-shirt read this. He says, I have plenty of dad jokes in my, now listen closely, dad obese. D-A-D obese. That's a clever joke. Making fun of dad jokes while you're giving it a dad joke. So this whole thing about dad jokes, it just happens. And, you know, I don't try to give dad jokes intentionally, but I do accidentally because I am a dad. But I give a lot of dad advice. I have three young adults, 18 and 20 and 21. Those are the the ages. And so I give them dad advice a lot, but I've figured out that they don't always want to hear dad advice. So now I do it this way. I say, hey, can I give you some dad advice? Do you want to hear it? And most of the time they say, no. And that's the end of it. Because why give advice? No one wants to hear your advice. But occasionally I'll say, can I give you some dad advice? And there's a very reluctant, slow answer. Go ahead. (laughs) Like they know it's coming. So I'll say things to them like college is supposed to be tough. You're not supposed to go to college to show what you know. You're supposed to go to college to actually learn things you don't know. All right. I tell them you're going to feel lonely sometimes if you want to live for Christ. I tell them you must stretch your money. I tell them the people you think you're going to be friends with for the next decade, you won't be necessarily. Now, as they're looking to employment, I remind them the first year of your job, you can't take very much time off. It's all energy. You can't ask for six weeks of vacation your first year out of college. 
I tell them, you have to change the oil in your car. That has to happen. It's dad advice. And it's not fun to give that advice. And it's not fun to receive that advice. So why, if I don't necessarily enjoy giving that advice, and I know that they don't enjoy hearing that advice, why do I do it? Because I love them. I love them. So even though I don't want to tell them that stuff they don't want to hear, and they don't want to necessarily hear it, love compels me to give dad advice. That's why one of one of the most important scriptures we have, words of Jesus out of John chapter 16, verse 38, says it this way. Jesus warned them about persecution. He warned them about persecution. And in John 16, verse 38, says, I have told you these things so that in me you have peace. Wait a second. Jesus predicted persecution so that we could have peace? Because he said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Man, that's some good advice. In this world, you will have trouble. I got to be honest with you. There's going to be tough days. There's going to be tough weeks. Sometimes there's tough years. But take heart. You're going to overcome the world because Jesus has overcome the world. I think it's so important. I think it's so important for young people to hear this because we've tried to protect young people from adversity and we've done them a great disservice. It's not our job to create adversity because adversity comes our way in life. But we can prepare younger people to realize like, it's okay if you're not invited to the party and it's okay if you don't make first team and it's okay that if you get a B minus, but you learn more than all of the A pluses that you were regurgitating something easy. The B minus is actually better for you. That sounds like dad advice again, doesn't it? (laughs) I can't help it. Jesus in this very saying, hey, it's not always something bad that creates something bad. Now, there's plenty of scriptures that that do talk about consequences. And so it is true that sometimes, maybe even we could say often, Bad choices produce bad fruit. And the scripture is clear about that. But it's not always the causation. It's not always the reason. Sometimes tragedy, sometimes tragedy is not related to willful sin. One of the lowest moments, probably the lowest moment of my life, is when, when I was told my youngest son may not live through the day on the first day he was born. And man, it was tough. And it, it was tough. And we called people to pray and we had lots of people pray. And I remember talking with my mom in those early days. I don't know if it was that first day or within the first three or four days. She was living in Texas at the time. And she's such a godly lady. Many of you know her. And she shared a scripture with me during, during those very crucial days when life was in the balance. And you, you can't help but as a parent think, you know, what did I do? You shouldn't think that, but you just do think that sometimes. You know, what, what, should I, what did I do to make this happen? Man, I should have missed my quiet time last week. Isn't that ridiculous how we think that way? I, sh- I shouldn't have 
thought this or said this, or, you know, I should have given more to the church. Those are all the types of whispers we hear that aren't from the Lord. But mom reminded me of the scripture in John chapter nine. And let's go there. John chapter nine, verse one. As he was passing by, this is Jesus. He saw a blind man from birth. And his disciples asked him, you go back to verse one. I'm sorry. I took too long of a pause. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? That's the question of retribution theology. And that's a question a lot of you wrongly ask. Who sinned? Who, who, who messed this up? That's not always the case. This man or his parents that he was, he was born blind. And verse three. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Neither this man nor his parent sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's work might be displayed in him. It came about so God's work might be displayed in him. In that case, it was a total healing. Sometimes it's a partial healing. Sometimes it's grace upon a difficult situation. Don't focus on the blame, focus on the power. Don't focus on the blame, focus on the grace. Don't focus on the blame, focus on the opportunity. There's opportunity in sickness and there's opportunity in death and there's opportunity in unemployment and there's opportunity when there's injury. We are not to blame God. We're to look for the work of God in that. We are a church that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit to instantaneously heal, to deliver, to set free. And so here in a few minutes, we will pray for that to happen now. And we will believe in the God who will do that now. But we will not turn our back on God if he doesn't answer the prayer in the way we are, we are demanding. We will serve him nonetheless. And we will value those who are going through difficult circumstances and not blame and read into intentions, but, but will call them and us to repentance. Like Jesus said, not, not to blame someone, but to turn to the Lord. To turn to the Lord and to receive all that he has for us. Here's, here's my second point today. Spiritual realities continue when human understanding ends. Now, I know that's not a real pithy, short, one-word point like I often give. But it's a carefully crafted statement. So don't let the wordiness of it um, kind of dissolve its meaning. Look at those words on the screen. Spiritual realities continue when human understanding ends. So we are, I talked about the body last week, but we are, we are souls and spirits. And so when, when we encounter limitations in this world, that's not the end. We, we are not subjected to limitations because we have a soul and spirit. And there's an invitation from God. Here's one of the invitations. It's out of Isaiah chapter 55, starting with verse 1. Come, everyone who is thirsty. 
maybe thirsty for answers, thirsty for meaning, thirsty for solutions. Come to everyone who is thirsty, come to the water and you without silver, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without silver and without cost. Why do you spend silver on what is not food and your wages on what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, to me and eat what is good and you will enjoy the choicest of foods. Pay attention and come to me. Listen so that you will live. I will make a permanent covenant with you on the basis of the faithful kindness of David. Now let's go down to verse six. Verse six says it this way. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Let the wicked one abandon his ways and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will freely forgive. Verse 8. You may have heard this before, but I wanted to give you context for it. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. And your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth... So my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God says, come to me, come to me and get what you need. But remember, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. A lot of you can't accept that. I hope you will today. I hope some of you can accept this message. I'm mindful that, that many people are internally rejecting this right now because for various reasons. I don't want to be insulting, but there's, there's reasons why you're internally rejecting this right now. But I love you. And I want to show you the truth from God's word and the truth that you are living in. He didn't say, come to me and you will figure out everything you don't understand. He doesn't say that. I kind of wish he did, but he doesn't. He says, come to me, come on, come to me And you're going to have the satisfying life. But remember, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. He says, come to me and you will be satisfied. Come to me and you will spend your life on something lasting. Come to me and you will receive the compassion of the Lord. You can see that right there in the scripture. But here's the problem. When you don't accept the mysteries of God you will not have a long-term sustainable relationship with God. When you don't accept, I'm going to say that again, the mysteries of God, you won't have a long-term sustainable relationship with God. Now, this is no insult to our high school students here. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. I bleed youth ministry. So this is not an insult, but I'm going to say it anyway. Youth group theology is, God, I'm going to serve you, make me popular. God, I'm going to serve you, make me smart. God, I'm going to serve you, make me athletic. God, I'm going to serve you, get me the girlfriend. That's youth group theology. Okay? So, so we're, we're, I'm not saying all the kids in our youth group believe that. I'm just saying that that, that is just the, the immaturity of our faith. We're moving beyond that as mature Christians to say, we're going to serve God no matter the circumstance. Even the unpreferable circumstances. Man, that's tough to do. 
When you don't have a category for the unexplainable, then you reject the God you need in tough times. That's what happens when the unexplainable happens and things we can't explain. We, we get mad at God and reject him when that's when we need him the most. It, it's, it's, it's like a way we self-sabotage. And it's, it's, the scripture says it's, the wisdom of man is foolishness to God, but the foolishness of God is his wisdom. And so here's something we say after a tragedy. Maybe we don't verbally say it, but we say it with our hearts. God, I don't understand you, but I still need you. Think about that. Read the Psalms. That's what a lot of it says. God, I don't understand you, but yet I need you. God, I'm mad at you, but will you comfort me? And the scripture gives us Plenty of latitude for both. In fact, being honest with God is good. God, I don't understand, but I need you to comfort me in my lack of understanding. God, I'm actually mad at you, but I need you to comfort me in my anger, in my healing. Guys, here's the deal He is our dad, He's our dad. And he tells us stuff we don't want to hear because he loves us. So I want to close with our psalm for the day that we read part of it already during our call to worship. But it's a call to, it's a call to you who follow current events and don't understand why God allows these things to happen. And it's a call to you who are so upset at current events that you ignore them because you don't understand why God allows these things to happen. It's our call to be with God. Verse two of Psalm 63, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. I love the word gaze. It's not checking in and checking out. There's a slowness there. There's an intentionality there. There's a focus there, not just, not just cruising in and out of the presence of God, but nurturing on the presence of God. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. Verse five, you satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with, of sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. And verse eight, I cling to you. Your strong hand holds me securely. There's a couple of things I want to point out before we close here. First of all, back in verse four, it says, I'll praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. I want to remind you of something. You don't lift your hands in worship to the Lord because you had a good week in your devotional life. Many times we lift our hands to the Lord in pain. 
And I'm not talking about physical pain, though that could apply. I'm talking about emotional pain. And in this very room where I'm preaching today, you know, I don't try to look at you guys at worship. I, I do the glance over my left shoulder here and there. But man, I've seen some of you lift your hands when I knew you had a terrible week. You're dealing with a death in your family. You're dealing with a child who's turned away from the Lord. You're dealing with financial struggles and you've lifted your hands, not because you had to, but because there's something powerful about lifting your hands out of pain. Not just lifting your hands because everything's great, but lifting your hands because you're, you're clinging to the one who's gonna bring you through. I also want to point out verse six. I lie away thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. And a lot of times we don't get silence until we're in bed. I think we should be more intentional about silence, but sometimes when we, you know, the toughest times in my life, I didn't really have time to schedule solitude. I was on the run. And then, then I would find myself in those quiet hours of the night And that's when the Lord's there for you. Often it's at night, but you can find it it during the day too. Silence and reflecting on the Lord. And in the quiet place, you will know that he is God. In the stillness, you will know that he is God. And you don't have to fear the pain. You don't have to fear the questions. You don't have to fear the anger because there's healing in the place of silence. And, and you, you will hear his voice. I believe that. I believe the enemy wants to keep you from that silent place. And here's the last thing I want to share with you is verse 8. And we can put that back up. Because here's a word from the Lord to many of you. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. And that phrase, I cling to you, is your phrase. Circle it. Write it down. Let that be your phrase in the coming days. I cling to you. If you're going through an unusual time of depression, anxiety, stress, an unusual time of fear, say, I cling to you. I cling to you. I don't have the answer and I have more questions. Your ways are higher than my ways. All the things we've said can be, can be summarized in that phrase. I cling to you. I cling to you. And so hear the word of the Lord for you this day.